try it again. Good morning. All right. I, I was just checking this, see if it's it's working. Yes. All right. Good. Anyway, we're glad you're here. Welcome to Impact Christian Church. I'm Jeff. Uh, I pray that you brought Jesus with you today, because if you did, uh, it's going to be an incredible service. You know, we we got to we got to bring him with us, and uh, he is with us everywhere we are, no matter what's going on in your life. And uh, so, if you came in here today a little discouraged, if you came in here today a little fearful, if you came in here today uh, bewildered. <laughs> Or not knowing what's going on, Jesus, well, he cares. He cares about what's going on with you today. Uh, it, is, uh, it is so good to get together the family and to worship. looks like, uh, I'm using Bob, this is Bob's joke, but I said, Bob, looks like it's a little light today. And he says, it looks like an Easter hangover. So everybody, everybody <laughs> stayed away today. So that's not my joke. I'm giving Bob the credit. So uh, it, it's his. But anyway, we're glad you guys are here. And uh, hopefully some others will join us. And if you're on, online, hello, hello. Let's pray, then we're going to stand, say hello to some people around us, and uh, we'll get right into it. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. What a joy it is to gather together as the saints to not just remember you, but to celebrate you and to thank you for who you are in our lives and for your presence and for the way that you, that you hold our hands and our heads and our hearts. And so, God, just use this, these next few minutes to encourage uh, through worship, through, through communion, and through the, the, the word today. God, just do a work. We give you permission to, to just change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand up. Walk around. Fist bumping. Whatever. You, hello. I don't know you. Real quick. And then let's give Lord some praise.
We stand and lift up our hands, for oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now, how great, how awesome is He. Let me hear you sing. Together we sing, and everyone sings. the Lord God
glory holy is the lord god almighty the earth is filled with his glory yes the earth is filled with his glory it is rising up all around it's the anthem of the lord's renown it is rising up all around it's the anthem of the lord let's step it up it is rising up all around it's the anthem of the lord's renown it is rising up all around it's the anthem of the lord's renown together we sing and everyone sing come on here we go is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Yeah, the earth is filled with His glory. The earth, the earth is filled with His glory. God is so good. I pray as you praise and worship Him this morning with open hearts and open minds that you let the, uh, the Holy Spirit of the Lord come inside you and just fill you up and just lift you up. But most of all, that when your heart is like that, I pray that you just give Him all that worship and praise back to Him. Amen? Amen. For He is worthy to be praised. And God is good. And all the time. Don't ever forget that. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes where we get below, you know, low and but then we can do something like this. Sing a song of praise and lift up a shout of praise. For the glory will be the glorious one, and oh, we will look on His name. We'll go to a much better place. Dance with all your might. Lift up your hands and clap for joy for the time dropping knee. He will appear 
door We will stand by his side A strong Girl's body's bright Yeah, yeah, yeah We will dance on the streets that are golden Glory is bright in the great Son of Man From every tongue and tribe and nation will join in the song of the land Here we go Sing a song of celebration Lift up a shout of praise For the bridegroom will come Glorious one And oh, we will look on his face We'll go to a much better place. Dance with all your mind. Lift up your hands and clap for joy for the time draw the knee when he will appear. And oh, we will stand by his side. Your spotless bride, yeah, yeah. We will dance on the streets that are golden. Glory is bright in the great Son of Man. Every tongue and tribe and nation will join in the song of the Lamb. That don't get you excited. I don't know what will. Sing aloud for the time of rejoicing is near. Let me hear it. A risen king, our groom is soon to appear. The wedding feast to come is now near at hand. Lift up your voice, proclaim the coming. Streets that are golden. We will dance on the streets that are golden. We will dance on the streets that are golden. We will dance on the streets that are golden. Here we go. And we will dance on Glory is bright in the grace of the man From every tongue and tribe and nation will join In the song of the Lamb, yeah, yeah We will dance on the streets that are golden Glory is bright in the grace of the man From every tongue and tribe and nation will join in the song of the Lamb, we'll join in the song of the Lamb. 
Amen to that.
Be seated. Good morning and welcome. For those of you who are with us this morning, there are baskets in the front and back for offerings along with the communion elements. Here at Impact, we are encouraged to participate in communion who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. As most of you know, 
I have a liturgical church background. And between Easter and Pentecost, the gospel readings are all about the risen Lord appearing to his disciples and to others. My favorite reading is his appearance to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. This can be found in Luke chapter 24. If you don't remember the reading, let me set the scene. So just take a moment, maybe close your eyes, and just think. Put yourself in their place. It's the end of Passover, three days after the crucifixion in what is now early April of A.D. 33. You and your friend have been followers of Jesus, but not one of the twelve. You two have been following Jesus for some time and have heard and seen some remarkable things. You have had an amazing week from an incredible high when the people were shouting, Hosanna, as Jesus entered Jerusalem to a deep, dark low as he was arrested, tried by the Jewish leaders, put to death by the Romans, and placed in a rich man's tomb. You are feeling confused, discouraged, and somewhat afraid something terrible will happen to you. So, since you and your friend are not sure what to do next, you decide to set off for your hometown of Emmaus. A reading from the book of Luke. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, Boys, I took this one chosen. Boys, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked them, are you the only visiting, only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this took, took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They came to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. 
did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Then, when he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. When we take the communion elements, do we take time to recognize him in the bread and the juice, or does it just become invisible to us? Jesus told us that as often as we are gathered together, as we share, as sharing the bread and wine as a community, we are to do this in remembrance of, of him. We remember that he died for us, rose from the dead, and is alive forevermore. Continuing on, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. As we take the communion this morning, remember the importance of the Easter that we celebrated last weekend and that Jesus, though he was dead, is alive now forevermore. Let us pray. Praise to you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread and the wine for us to take in remembrance of you. Thank you.
when, when you have issues, we have issues. All morning, we've had some technical stuff going on. But anyway, we're, uh, we pray that that didn't deter from your worship, your worship this morning. Anyway, we're, uh, we're glad you're here. My name's Pastor Jeff, and um, if uh, before I dismiss the kids, we're going to have youth group tonight. Just so don't forget about that, kids. So, and so we're going to let you go on and go. You know, it's just like your life. Doesn't your, does everything go right in your life? No. No. <laughs> Not in mine, for sure. Um, a couple things, and then we'll pray. Number one, if you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're here. Um, we want to encourage you to fill out a connection card. They're blue. They're back here on this table right behind in the back, or they're out on our information center. And just drop it in and say hi that you were here. Uh, nobody will come try to sell you snake, steak knives or anything like that. So just, uh, just put it in there, and we just want to acknowledge that you were here. And so uh, we'd love to do that. Also, if you'd like to get our text, every week we send out text about prayer concerns and things that are going on at the church, uh, fill out one of those cards. Or if you have a prayer concern, put those in those also. And uh, we have a team of people that will be glad to pray for you and with you this week. Let's pray. Jesus, despite technology, um, it, is, uh, it is so good to be here today. And I pray that uh, you'll just speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. God, there's so much you want to say to us. There's so many things that you want us to look at. But God, just help us to start with one thing today, just one thing, to look at one thing that you might want to change in us. Because as we look after Easter, we, we say, what now? What, what do you want us to do now? Where do we go from a risen Lord? And so, God, I just pray uh, that this next few minutes that you would shut my mouth where it needs to be shut and open it where it needs to be open. I pray that the scriptures that we look at uh, will be pleasing to you, and that they will change us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, for the next six weeks, um, until after Mother's Day, we're going to be in a series I'm calling Real Problems, as you saw when Rick was doing it, Real Problems. And today we're going to talk about one specific problem, fear in relationships. And although it's geared towards married people, it's not just about marriage relationships. It's about relationships that um, today it is about relationships in general, friendships. Uh, if you have a friendship, these same things can go with it. If you are here today and you're married or you're getting married or you want to be married or you're praying to be married, this is for you. So we're going to talk about real problems that Christians have after we celebrate this, this risen Lord business, this thing that we all got together last week and said, yay, we're so glad that God uh, let his son come and, and he died for us on the cross. And then he rose from the dead. What now? And that's where we're going with this. And so we're going to talk about specific problems, not just marriage problems. I don't want you to think that we're going to have a six-week marriage because a lot of you single people just check out. You won't come back. So don't do that. Okay, but we're going to talk about specific problems in relationships today. Got it? Does that make sense? Okay, here we go. Um, 
Also, you can uh, find the scriptures if you can't find them here. They're on our Facebook page. Just click that little thing, and it's all the scriptures outline everything that I'm talking about. Not everything. Just a minuscule thing of what I'm talking about is on there also if you want to go back and get a scripture. So real problems. Real problems. I believe real, one of the uh, realest problems that Christians have is relationships. And one of the biggest parts of the relationship that is at odds is the fear that comes in relationships. And a lot of us don't think about it. We don't think about fear in relationships, but fear is such a big part of our lives. We are fearful of everything. <laughs> we, all, there's so many of you here are so riddled with anxiety. And today I want to talk not about all those fears, but I want to talk about your fear in relationships, about getting close, about intimacy, about how do you, how do you uh, press into somebody who's hard to press into? How do you press into somebody who doesn't want to be pressed into? How do you press into somebody who's been hurt? How do you do that? And that's what we're going to talk about today. If somebody was to ask me, what's the most important thing in any relationship? I would have to say it's this. It's about being authentic. It's about being real. And I believe one of the coolest things about our church and why I believe we've lasted 20 years and some churches haven't is because there's a bunch of real people here. We don't, we don't have a lot of masks here. If you, you ask anybody, everybody here pretty much for the most part will say, I'm a screwed up individual. I'm pretty messed up, including me. We're all messed up people. And you have to be real. And the hardest place it is to be real is that when you really dig down and you nail down is in a relationship between a man and a woman, a marriage relationship. A hard place to really be real is a, is a friendship. Because when we get hurt, we tend to, to move away. We tend to, to get back and just to not, to not to go forward, not to press in. And God never intended that for the church. He never intended for his people that he loves so much. And that's us. He doesn't mind us being messed up. He just wants us to move more towards him each day as we live our lives. This scripture, this first scripture, Ephesians 4.15, is kind of our base scripture today. Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things. Speaking truly dealing truly, living truly, being real, being true, true to who you are, true to yourself, and who do we often have the hardest time being truthful with? Number one is ourselves. No wonder we have a hard time being truthful with a marriage partner that we have been with, maybe for a short time or maybe for a very long time. Great relationships are built on trust, and there is no trust without truth. There's no trust at all. We're going to look at Adam and Eve, the first couple. A funny place to start, but I think it's really uh, apropos for where we're going with this today. We're going to look at Adam and Eve, and you'll figure if anybody had a perfect relationship, it was Adam and Eve. If you remember back to that, Adam and Eve 
had no kids. They didn't have to worry about a bunch of brats running around the house. They didn't have to worry about them getting in trouble, shuttling them to where they got to go, taking them, being, doing, homeschooling, doing this. They didn't have to worry about any of that. They didn't have to worry about clothes. What am I going to wear today? Don't have to worry about it. None of There was no worries. They were in a perfect, perfect place. Yet when sin entered the world, it brought a new dimension to the, to the relationship. And that was fear. Fear wreaks havoc on relationships. So I want to I want to give you three truths this morning that I that I found partly over 45 years of being married, partly through digging in the scripture. I have failed at all of them. So don't I'm not, I just stand up here as no expert in the fear uh, in in the relationship department because I, I'm I'm a total failure too. But I want to tell you that some of these things have made my relationships stronger and better over the years. And so I want to share them with you today. Truth number one, when I'm afraid of my faults, it makes me defensive. When I'm afraid of, of my faults, it makes me defensive. And I know there's a lot of you out there, and you, you don't even want to admit it. You know, you, you don't like to. I remember when I had the kids, and they were in car seats, and we'd be driving, and there was maybe a toddler or two in the back, and they'd, we'd be driving along, and I'd get lost as all heck. And the kids are going, where are we? Oh, we're just taking a nice drive today. I didn't want to admit that I was, that I was lost. I didn't want to admit it. I just I made a whole career off of saying, we're just going to go this extra this road because I was defensive about not wanting to be wrong. We hate to admit our faults. Right? Somebody say, yeah. Yeah. We don't like to do it. <laughs> Look what happens in Genesis. Genesis 3. It says this. Genesis 3, 12 and 13. God asked, did you eat what I told you not to eat? Adam answered. The woman <laughs> you put there, gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And she replied, the snake tricked me into eating it. Now, two, two things I want you to notice there about any relationship. Notice two things. We accuse and we excuse. He did it. She did it. It was the snake's fault. We blame other people. It's their fault. It's my coach's fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's my friend's fault. It's my spouse's fault that we are where we are. And our sin, Adam took it like a man, and he blamed his wife. Can you relate? That woman you gave me She's going, but the snake gave it to me. See, we're all like that. Men don't get a pass either here. Come on. Women, we do it too. We do it too. We excuse and we accuse. So I ask you this morning to start out. What are you pretending in your relationship with your friend or with your spouse is not a problem? Is it anger? Is it alcohol? Is it worry? Is it perfectionism? Is it patience or lack of patience? Is it 
communication. Oh, they don't tell me anything. Or is it intimacy? What do you find you're saying? When do you find yourself saying this? I don't want to talk about it. You ever been there? I don't want to talk about it. You see, that's a statement of defense. That's a statement of putting the shield up. Here it is. Don't want to talk. Nope, I don't want to talk about it. So here's the question. What do you do when you have a problem in your relationship? Here's what you don't do. You don't conceal it. You don't try to hide it, ignore it, and cover it up like the elephant in the room that it is. You don't condone it. You don't try to say it's okay, it's all right, that's just the way I am, and you make all these excuses. It's not also, you don't condense it. It's no big problem. Everybody, every family is messed up. Every family, that's true. But Jesus' family should be a little different. Just a little. Just a little. What do you do? You confess it. You admit it. I've got a problem. We have a problem, sister. We have a problem, brother. I have a problem, wife. I have a problem. And I'm afraid of my faults that makes me defensive. Number two, another truth that I've learned. When I'm afraid of my feelings, I become distant. I become distant. Oh, I'm the best at this. I'm the best. I'm one of the best. Genesis 3, 9 and 10 says this. God called Adam. Why are you hiding? Adam answered, I, I was afraid and I hid from you because I was naked. I was naked. Why did you, why are you hiding? Because you've been naked for a long time. Because I did something wrong. I hid from you. See, our, our feelings make us not want to run towards our partner, not towards our friend. We go find another friend. And in some relationships in marriage, we go find another person. These words go together, hiding and fear. They always go together. We wear a mask. We run for cover. We hide and we hide from God. That's why so many people don't go to, they, they love going to a church where nobody knows their name. They love going to a church where people don't miss them. They love going to a church where nobody really cares what's going on. Just come, look good, it's all good. That isn't the case here at this church. We care when you're going through hard times. We care when, when things are bad. We want to envelop you. We want to love you. We want to be around you. That's why we hide. Men are particularly good at hiding, at causing distance. And it's, a, it's a tool for dealing with emotion. And most men have been taught this from their daddies. They've been taught it through their daddies and their daddies and their daddies and their daddies. Most marriage counselors here that always say the number one complaint is that most women will say, I don't have the slightest idea of what he's thinking. I don't know anything about you. But when we used to date, we could talk for hours on the phone about the color of the car and the carpet and this and that. And But when we get married, I don't know anything about you except all the problems that we discuss about our lives. And just talking about problems gets kind of sucky, right? 
And all you talk about is the things that are bad in your life, not the things, not the dreams and the hopes that God has for you and your family. Before we got married, or before we had that one friend that we really liked, it was just so easy to talk, and then something happens. And you know what it is? It's hurt feelings. It's hurt feelings. We hate to admit when somebody hurts us. It's really admitting that we're vulnerable. It's admitting that, that, that we have issues. It's admitting something that, that's very hard to do. Because these hurt feelings, what they do is they cause us to back away. They cause us to move away so we don't want to talk about it. And we've been conditioned from that from the time many of us were little boys because we saw our parents do that too. And they probably learned it from their parents. You have to learn how to deal with hurt feelings. The reason you have to learn to deal with hurt feelings is because you're going to be hurt in relationships for the rest of your life. If you have a heart, you're going to care. You're going to hurt. And that's why so many of you have these little walls put up around you, these shields around you, and you let very few people, maybe not even your spouse, in around you because you were conditioned to take your family, your hurts of your family, and to stuff them down. And it is not just all for men. Women do it too. So I'm not here just saying it's all about men. I'm saying it's about men and women, but men are traditionally superstars in this area. Why is it so easy to say I'm angry, but not to say I'm hurt? I want you to deal with that this week, just a minute. Why is it easier to say, well, I'm mad, than to say, you hurt me? That's, that, that's a conundrum. Hurt will not destroy a relationship, but you know what will? Resentment. Resentment. Because so much hurt, what it does is it causes you to resent your friend. And the very nature and being around them makes you want to take your finger. And if there was this thing called around called a chalkboard, you would go, and it would just drive you nuts. Just the mention of their name. And that's how it gets in married relationships, too, after a while. All this hurt. It's not that you don't care because you wouldn't get mad if you didn't care. But it leads to resentment. And resentment then as you start looking for exits. And you don't want to meet for coffee with them anymore. And you don't want to go on walks anymore. And you don't want to do the things you used to do that were so good before. You've got to learn to deal with your hurt. And you have to speak about it. You have to say, honey, that hurt me. Why is that so hard? Why is it hard to say, it but, but you can blow up. Many of you men in here can go, Aah! you can yell and yell and scream, but you can't say you hurt me because you don't want to admit, <laughs> you can't have this. This is, this is a lot. I pray you can't take this on. got to do better, church. We've got to do better. We've got to do better. There's not only hurt feelings, and lastly, there's angry feelings, and there's a bunch of more feelings that I'm not going to get into today. But angry feelings, 
most people don't know how to deal with their anger even. When their anger comes, they, there's a lot of us that are screamers, a lot of us that, that just get distant and they just walk, you know. What, what, what's going on? I, I don't know. I don't know, nothing. What's going on? I don't know, nothing. And you're angry and you don't want to talk about it. And days can go by and you don't want to talk about it. What, what's, what's the deal there? There's angry feelings. The truth is, sometimes you've got to get angry. It is not wrong to be angry. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and don't sin. It is okay to be angry. It is okay to be hurt. Sometimes anger is a response of love. Sometimes when you, when you are angry about things, you should get mad that babies are getting killed every day. You should get mad that, that kids are getting shot with guns. You should care. You should be angry as heck about that. And if you're not, what's wrong with your heart? And you better be angry if your friend doesn't want to be around you anymore because it may not be your friend. It may not be your spouse. It may be you. It may be you. Sometimes the response of love, you respond in anger because it's the only thing you got. It shows that you care. And all we do is we retreat or we come back at them louder brasher, or we start withholding our love from them. We start withholding our time from them because I, it hurts. It hurts. Who wants to go be close to somebody that hurts you? That's hard. We get to learn how to deal with anger and hurt feelings. There's so many more feelings that are out there. But I'm just going to deal with those two this morning. Lastly, lastly, here's the third, tr third truth. When I'm afraid of losing my freedom, I become demanding in my relationships. I want you to think about that for a minute. When you're insecure, you begin to demand that you get your way. You have put up with so much in this relationship for so long. All of a sudden, you're going, not anymore. Insecurity demands that I get the last word. Any of you there? You're always, oh, but, but, yeah, but you did, and, and I did, and you did, and, uh, and it just goes tit for tat all the way down the line. Insecurity demands my rights be met. My right to be happy. I didn't see that in the Bible anywhere. Demands that I'm in control of my relationship. I control my world. Really? You're a Jesus follower. <laughs> Jesus followers don't control their world. Jesus controls your world. Jesus controls your movements, or he should. See, this isn't a new problem. It started back in the very first couple with Adam and Eve. When sin destroyed this perfect relationship that they had between them, this trust and this truth, Eve and Adam created a battle. It's in a battle that's been going on since then. Genesis 3.16, two different versions put it this way. The result of their sin, your yearning shall be for your husband, 
yet he will lord it over you. He predicted it. He predicted it. He, uh, one version says he will dominate you. Since that time, the struggle for domination in relationships began between men and women. This isn't God's ideal. Listen to me. This is not God's ideal. God doesn't intend for men and women to be competing and dominating and struggling for control in the relationship. That is not God's way. It's not his way. God made men and women to complement each other, to com- not to compete with each other. We have got to stop competing because like it or not, men are genetically different no matter who says they aren't. And so are women. That's one of the base principles of the Bible. And that's why all this mess with, with all this stuff going on and, and the, the noise that you're hearing out there about the different genders and different things, it's a very attack because God said, I made a man and I made a woman. I didn't make any of that other stuff. I made two men and women genetically different with two different things. That's it. Hormones, not so much. Like it or not, we have differences. And differences are not wrong. They're just different. They're just different. And you know what? Most of you that are married, you know what attracted you to your your mate? Their differences. Because they weren't like everybody else. But then what often attracts you begins to repel you. I want to do a case study on this because I know a lot of couples. Been doing this for almost 40 years. And I've seen so many couples that, that do this, that they, they're attracted. We got all the same things until we don't. <laughs> and then, oh, that, oh, you're, oh, 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 I hate that. Oh, I hate that. Pretty soon they're so far apart, they're, they're hollering at each other. Hey, you, hey, you. It's so important to understand about your differences. Many relationships are are summed up in two words. (laughs) Power, struggle. Power, struggle. Who's in control? Who's in control? Again, shouldn't be a man or shouldn't be a woman. It should be who? Jesus. 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 Today in in our society, we are obsessed. We're obsessed with personal rights. We have children's rights. We have women's rights. We have dog's rights. We have cat's rights. We have lizard's rights. Everybody's got a right. Everybody. If you make your personal fights the focus of your life, you're going to be angry most of your life. Do you know why so many people are angry? Because they're not getting their rights. God never promised you your rights. Life is not fair, bucko. Anybody that tells you that it is, they're crazy. Life is not fair. God never said life was fair. It's not. Remember, this earth is earth, and it is not heaven. And so many of us have this picture of what earth should be, and that picture is not here. It's heaven. This life, 
you're going to have animosity. You're going to be doing it by the sweat of your brow. You're going to be having hard times. You're not going to pay the bills always. You're going to not be you're going to be in conflict so much of the time. But God, as Dave Baker says, is still good all the time, even when your life is upside down. Stop fixing the blame and start fixing the problem with your friends and with your spouse. You see, what happens is when problems come into a relationship, we start thinking that that person is the enemy. We start taking it all and we, we buy into what, what I was buying into this morning when all the technical, we weren't on Facebook, there, there, our words weren't on the screen, Dave was having a hard time moving through the, the songs. It all was, it was like, whoa, and I get up here and it's screaming and it, it was affecting me and I got to thinking, you know, that's not, that's not a God, doesn't matter about any of that stuff. It's not about fault. It's the enemy. He wants you to take these circumstances and look at them and go, ah. and you take your eyes off of Jesus. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you go, all you see is the problem. All you see is the, the conflict. Stop fixing the blame. So, Jeff, what's the answer? Here we go. I'm about done. There's three things I would encourage you to do today. And then I got, a, I got a homework assignment. Here we go. Three things. Number one, I believe that you need to be honest with yourself. Be honest with you. Proverbs tells us, the Lord gives us a conscience we can't hide from ourselves. Face up to your faults. Face up to your faults. I am wrong in this area. My wife keeps asking for this. My husband keeps asking for this. My friends keep asking for this. Face up to your faults. Be honest with yourself. Number two, be honest with God. Who knows anyway? But be honest with God. God, I'm a failure. I'm a flop. God, I, I tried so hard to make this relationship work, and no matter what I do, it's fall apart. Come to God and say, God, here, here I am. Would you do something with me? Because everything I've done... It's not working. It's not working. Lastly, be honest with your mate or your friend. Be honest. James 5.16 puts it this way. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, there it is. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you will be healed. Hardest verse, one of the hardest verses there are. Admit your faults to each other. That's why we do life together here in small groups. That's why we are supposed to get together and say, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with my marriage. I, I'm not doing a good job raising my kids. I, I don't read the Bible. I don't pray. I don't do this. And, and the other people come along to you and say, I have that same trouble. Let's pray for each other. Admit your faults. The older generation, the generation behind me, some of you are in, that generation was very guarded. There's very few people that I know in that generation that like any of the things that I'm talking about right now. They don't like it because it's like they were taught to seal it up. They were taught to take their, their feelings and suck it up, buttercup. Just eat them, drink them, get them down, don't let them out. 
in this generation <laughs> just gets there, our, our generation and down. And I, I, again, I'm including mine, some of you younger, I know I'm 60-something, but it, it, our generation, we're like, oh, I feel so bad. I feel this. I feel that. I get all my feelings out. And then they get stomped on, and you go, oh. And you, what's worse is you do it in pictures. You do it in Facebook, and you do it in, in Instagram, and you do it in all these public ways, and you're looking for affirmation. The Bible says that when you do, you admit your faults, you will be healed. Admit that you're a jerk. Admit that you're wrong. But you got to do it to yourself first, to God, then your mate. Okay, here's the homework. Friends or mates. If you've got a friend and you're at odds with them, or if you've got a partner and you're having some bumps in your relationship this week, here's, here's, a, here's a thought, just a thought. I want you to, to plan this week a night that you're going to get together. And don't call it a date night because some of you are probably hurting it pretty hard. Just plan a night where you go out to eat or you fix something or whatever you're going to do and say, let's sit down and let's be real with each other. Let's just be real. Here's my faults. And before you get there, write down all the things that, that are in you. Not your partner. Don't write, don't write your grievances about them. You know, oh, you're not doing this and you're not doing this. No, it's about you, about you. And sit there and sit there and talk and talk and talk and share and cry. Don't get angry. Say, it hurt. It hurts me. It hurts me that you can't do that. It hurts me. Now, I know there's some of you that may be saying, well, we've tried that and it didn't work. Okay, then you need some more help. You need some prayer. You need a counselor. I get that. I'm not saying everything goes through that, but I hear, here's what I am saying. I know this scares some of you to death. It scares you to death to even think about doing that. But I, I pray that you'll come together in a spirit of reconciliation and love saying, let's make this better. Or I ask you a question is, do you even want it to be better? Do you want to relate? Who here doesn't want a better relationship with their spouse? Don't raise your hand. I think we all do. Who here doesn't want a better relationship with your friends? I think we all do. Come together. The best years of your relationship can be ahead of you if you choose. It depends upon the level of truth that you're willing to share. Intimacy is always found in the tunnel of truth. It is not held when you hold things back, when you hide things, and you don't tell your spouse what you're feeling and what you're thinking and what you're hurting and what your dreams are. Who are you helping by internalizing that? Nobody. In fact, you're hurting it very, very much. Care enough to be honest, church. Care enough to be honest. There's this coolest thing that I ran into several years ago, and I've never, ever forgot it. I was going to try to recreate it, and I'm just not creative enough to do it. I went to the Children's Museum in St. Louis, and it's called the Da Vinci Arch. Some of you have seen it. I don't know. You might know exactly what I'm talking about. It's basically Da Vinci made a bridge that has no nails, no supports, no glue, anything in it, 
And it basically the whole thing is it's all self-supporting where the two just lean on each other just like this. And there's a set of blocks at the Children's Museum that you can take and you literally, I sat there for, for hours, I was amazed by it. You take these blocks and you build them and you go over here and you build another one, you build another one. And then you come over here and you build this arch here and here and here and here and here and here and here. And you get to right here and there's like a, this big gap. And you get those two blocks in between there and that thing stays up by itself. It's incredible. And that's what God intended for marriage, for us two imperfect beings to lean on each other to lean on each other in every time, the good, the bad, the ugly. And he, in, he included that in, in friendships. He wants us to lean on those people because when we do that, we become so much stronger than we ever thought possible. That Da Vinci uh, arch is such a picture of the church and God's people. Many of you have got the blocks all built up and all you're waiting for is to be able to lean on each other. And that's what you want. You want to lean on each other. You want to have that person that's there no matter what's going on. You want that person to be able to hold the weight of the things that you're going, that's going on in your life. More than anything, that's, that's the desire of so many of your hearts. And if you want to have a relationship that lasts till the end and re-examine today how your arch is doing. How do you get rid of these fears? One last scripture, we're done. Band, you can come on up. 1 John 4, 18. Fully developed love. Fully developed love. The love that leans on each other. Expels, gets rid of every particle of fear. Do you hear what I said? That's not bull. That, that's not just words. It gets rid of every particle of fear. For fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. Read that a couple times. The answer to fear is fully developed love. Mature, perfect love. You don't got it. Jeff, I can't do this. You're right, you can't. But with Jesus, you can. There's only one way you're going to get that kind of love, that perfect love where you can lean. See, he, he's what, he's the gap. He fills the gap. He allows you to be able to do this. I know some of you here are living in marriages that you want so much to work in. I know that there's some of you here that are odds with friends, and there's a friend that you love more than life itself, and you're just not clicking. Take some advice from somebody who, who's been there around the block. I was Mr. Insensitive to my wife for the first 15 years. She would cry, and I would get distant. She would be angry, and I would be dismissive. since then, no. 
sensitive? Yes. Have I hurt my wife's feet? Yes. Yes. And we have mature love now. It's so cool. The other day I did something really stupid to Brenda. I don't even remember what it was. It's not important. And she just looked at me.
mistake it's april the 30th now we could baptize you on friday night but it's april the 30th so uh, be sure and uh, talk to us about that i want to encourage you uh, today and let you know that jesus loves you so much and we do too and uh, we want you here in our fellowship we want you here in our family i believe that god is doing some really incredible things through people who are broken and messed up and it's that's the people he uses not he doesn't use perfect people I love what uh, Rick was talking to. He referenced the chosen, and we have a Bible study on Thursday night, and we, we go, we're going through the chosen. And one of the things I, I find so uh, real about the chosen is that all the people that Jesus called, they were so flawed. <laughs> he could have he called so many different other people and got the message out, seemed like, so much quicker. But he, he just went to a bunch of smelly old, regular, everyday people that were doing fishing and prostitutes and just the people that were broken and messed up. And that's the church. That's the church. And I'm sorry if you don't look at yourself that way, but that's who we all are. We're all kind of messed up, broken people with messed up, broken lives. And God desires us very much just the way we are. And he wants to not leave us the way we are. Um, Two things I want to push, and Abby's going to push them again, but I just always like to do a pastor push on this. One is next Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays in April besides Easter, Food Truck Sunday. Two really cool food trucks that come every year. Hillbilly Hot Dog, and La pa- it's a taco truck, that, or not the Hillbilly Hot Dog, but uh, La, pa- La Pabrano is coming, and they got some of the best Mexican food. And we'll have some tables out here. Hopefully it will be nice outside. Plan on staying. You don't have to have long lines in restaurants afterwards. And then uh, Abby's going to tell you that, but I just want to push it. And then lastly, um, Uh, 55-plus group. We're going to uh, Amish uh, Village down in southern Indiana on Tuesday. If you'd like to go uh, see me or sign up today, be sure and get that done today. Uh, And it's it's Tuesday, this Tuesday, 10 to 5. Here's Abby, and then we're going home. Good morning, Impact Christian Church. My name is Abby Lucas, and I just have a few announcements about what is going on here at ICC. youth group starting at six o'clock so after service if we could please place the chairs against the wall if you are in the 55 and plus group today is the last day to get signed up for the amish village trip that is happening this tuesday from 10 to 5. today is also the last day to get signed up for the camp work day which is this saturday from 10 to 3. next sunday is going to be our food truck sunday from 11:15 to about 12:45. we're going to be having two food trucks join us that day we're going to have the hillbilly hot dog and the La Poblana food truck, so please make sure you bring a friend and some cash. If you're wanting to get involved with some missions trips that are going to be happening this summer, please get in contact with Pastor Jeff. If you are a visitor today here at Impact Christian Church, please make sure you fill out a connection card and put it in the clear box in the back. Well, ICC, that is all the news I have for you. I hope you have a blessed and awesome week, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Thank you so much for joining us today here at Impact Christian Church. We're glad that you are part of our service. We invite you to come back next week as we headlong straight into this new year. 
what a joy it is to, to come into your house, your home, uh, through this medium, and we're, we're so thankful for that. And for you, uh, we ask if you can meet with us in person, come and join us as we do life together here at Impact each week. Uh, they, these are such uncertain times, the times of where people have so many questions and fear that just seems to uh, go through all of our of our our minds and our our lives. And so we believe that the church is the answer. We believe the Bible is God's uh, compass for us as a as a group and as a, as people to say uh, follow us as we follow Jesus. So join us in that in that quest as we come together each week. God bless you. Have a great day.